When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's Sunday morning, and it is a victory Sunday, so we're going to try to keep some things in perspective here because Ohio State won, and there are certainly some things that we took away from this game that felt good. But the question we asked all week long on the Buckeye Breakdown podcast was, could the Ohio State Buckeyes look the part? And I think in the 24 hours or slightly less than that have elapsed since Ohio State's 35-7 win over Youngstown State, is actually starting to make us think that maybe they didn't pass the test quite as much as we thought in real time. We're going to break it all down. Is the quarterback decision over? Has Kyle McCord won the battle from Devin Brown? Um, Why can't Ohio State seem to move the line of scrimmage? What is going on with the offensive line? And why did the defensive line have trouble creating pressure uh, throughout the game, but certainly in the second half? Why did the Buckeyes only score one touchdown in the second half? Got a lot to break down. We're going to get to it all here. Coming up next on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Victory Sunday, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Anthony Meglin. If this is the first time you're joining us, that's awesome. Thanks for doing that, and we certainly hope you'll come back regularly. We are Buckeyes now, uh, affiliated with the Sports Illustrated Media Group. Buckeye Breakdown podcast streams live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We have a ton of coverage scattered throughout the day on Saturday and on Sundays talking everything you need to know about Ohio State football. You can find all the latest news and info over on BuckeyesNow.com. But if you'd like to support the podcast, we certainly would appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the YouTube channel. And the audio-only version uh, is posted afterward wherever you like to find your favorite shows. Anthony, yesterday, 35-7 is a convincing win, right? I mean, the game was never in jeopardy. And I think there were certainly some moments in the first half that, you know, allowed us to take a deep breath and say, okay, this is – starting to show what we think and know this team could look like. I I think it's difficult when you have really high expectations for a team that's been in the college football playoff three of the last four years and has so many of those skill position players from last year's team returning. I I think it is difficult for me to, to not be disingenuous here and, and, um, you know, not just say, hey, look, they won by four touchdowns again and everything's fine. I I don't know that I love what I saw yesterday. And the second half in particular was a bit frustrating for me. And I think we even heard something to that effect from Denzel Burke, who said we should have whooped these guys by 50. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, it's called the 24-hour rule. you got 24 hours to kind of let a game digest um, and really – really look into the details of it. And I think you and I kind of share similar thoughts um, on the game after watching it. I think the tone of our uh, post-game show yesterday 
um, it, we're going to have a little bit different one um, here this morning because um, there is definitely some things that make you scratch your head. And especially when you compare it to some, some of the other stuff that happened around the country yesterday um, with teams that we hold ourselves to the standard of. Um, when you think about Penn State now and you think about Texas and Alabama who squared off yesterday and even Michigan, um, you know, when you look around the country and, and see what those teams did um, and then watch kind of how Ohio State got their win yesterday, um, there's some stuff that's going to make you uh, kind of scratch your head a little bit and really think about what this team is um, and, and what this team can be moving forward. Um, you know, I think we learned a lot uh, this morning after rewatching the game and, and kind of talking through some of the scenarios uh, from the Buckeyes from yesterday. And, and frankly, uh, Brennan, I agree with what Denzel said. Um, you know, he was not happy, uh, not a happy camper, um, you know, because, you know, you're supposed to throttle a team like Youngstown State. No disrespect, but you are. They, they're supposed to come into Ohio State Stadium and leave, you know, beat up um, and, and leave with not a close game. And uh, the game, all for all intents and purposes, wasn't close, but wasn't, uh, wasn't, what it, wasn't what it's supposed to look like from Ohio State playing an FCS opponent. So I'm looking at the official scoring drive chart from yesterday, and there are certainly some scoring drives that we're familiar with seeing, right? Three plays, 76 yards. It was the shot play to Marvin Harrison that opened things up in the beginning of the game. You know, minute 20 seconds in, bang, Ohio State's got a touchdown. Um, two possessions later, for, for the Buckeyes anyways, you know, they scored in uh, a minute 22, four plays, 93 yards. Um, they had a five play 61 yard touchdown drive in, uh, in the late third quarter. Um, and yeah, they, you know, they didn't play against a team that was atrocious and they did have some moments where they had to work for it. Um, but when Devin Brown was in the game, it felt like the, the offense moved a little more slowly. And when Kyle McCord was in the game, they, they were able to take bigger chunk plays. Um, we'll, we'll dive into the quarterback battle in a minute, but you know, the Buckeyes had minute 20 minute 30 minute 22, um, minute 43, uh, all uh, – well, the, the minute 30 drive ended at a punt, but those other ones were all scoring drives. They also had a couple of, of uh, three and outs, the second drive and uh, – the second drive of the game and the first drive of the second half, um, which was a little disappointing. I also thought the two-minute drill was a bit frustrating, at least for me personally. I, I expected more out of that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to go through here. So why don't we start with quarterback play? Because I think that does help answer the question of this show. Why didn't the Buckeyes annihilate Youngstown State? I think Kyle showed us yesterday that he is substantially further along than Devin is. Um, that said, I have seen comments even after yesterday's performance that said, hey, Devin is the guy. The offense moves better with Devin. They look better with him. I think he needs to be given a better chance. I, I, I just don't agree with that. And I think Devin would have a hard time telling you that he didn't get a fair shake yesterday because he played with the first team dudes in the fourth quarter. It's not like Ryan Day said, okay, good luck, go figure it out. And, and by the way, we're going to get you some freshman offensive linemen and and our you know third string tight end and, and wide receivers four, five, and six who are all scrapping for playing time too. He was out there with a first team group of guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
you bring a certain perspective to this quarterback battle. I know you've been, you know, kind of banging the the common core drum for a while because you've seen it. You know, you've you've been covering. For me, I came in with a fresh perspective. Um, you know, starting let's let's rewind three weeks for for me, rewind a couple months for me. Like, hey, when I came into this, you know, when we started, you know, doing our podcast, um, I was like, okay, you know, this is an even quarterback battle. And you could take someone like me who sees it for the first time and watch that game yesterday and be like, these two guys aren't on the same level. You know, they're, yes, they're both good, but the offense does not operate uh, on the same level uh, when they're on the field. You look at Kyle's play, and I think he actually took – he looked good. I thought he looked really well yesterday. He played really well. Too. You know, and, and I'm, I'm like, hey, this is – for anybody with two eyes, like you're like this is Kyle McCord's team. Like you can't you can't watch yesterday's game and be like, okay, the offense ran very similarly um, when when both of these guys in there, even to warrant Brendan, even to warrant another week of a competition. Like you can't you couldn't convince me that at all um, because I thought Kyle actually looked really well and did it in some different situations. Um, I thought on third down he played okay. Um, I thought there were some big throws on third down. There were some big throws backed up. I referenced one yesterday. The coming out when you're backed up inside your own 10, it's called coming out. He hit Marvin across the middle. I thought Marvin made a great catch on it, but it was still a good throw. I think at one point Kyle was like six of eight for 180, 180 yards. Yes, two of them were huge plays, but I thought he played really well and took a step in the right direction. And then you flip it over to when Devin played, and it just looked so disjointed. It like, That's kind of like what – I felt, and it kind of ties into, um, you know, the question of why didn't we score in the second half? And it's because the offense just is super disjointed. And you honestly, you get that when you carry a competition into the season and you carry it into a game, like getting a rhythm in a game with a quarterback is like, that's like football. Like that is the sport. And when you are unable to do that because you're switching guys in and out, you get the output that you did in the second half where Devin didn't have a rhythm. The guys, where it was so out of sync and so like clunky and it just, you could feel that. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's decide, make this decision. I think it was evident yesterday that this is Kyle's team and then keep Devin, you know, getting better just in case you ever need him. But you know, this is Kyle McCord's team going forward. So I, I went through and counted. Uh, and I know I mentioned yesterday that the Buckeyes only ran 60 plays offensively. If you do, do, uh, do you know the breakdown between, how many plays Kyle was on the field and how many plays Devin was on the field? I do not know. Yeah, I do. What yeah. What's your guess? How many plays do you think they uh, they each uh, ran? So if it was 60 plays, my guess is, is somewhere around, whoa, 35 McCord, 25, uh, 25 Devin Brown? Devin Brown played 32 plays. Okay. Kyle McCord got 28 snaps. So in – Fewer snaps, the offense looked more efficient and more explosive uh, under Kyle. Now, I, I don't want to just bury Devin because last week he got th- a quick three and out and then didn't really play until it was garbage time late right. and you couldn't really evaluate much from there. So I almost feel like, okay, let's just forget that last week against Indiana and, and let's start judging Devin now versus maybe where Kyle was last week. I still think that what we saw from Kyle last week in the first half had had better bright spots and fewer bad moments than what we saw from Devin yesterday. They're, they are I, – I don't even know if I want to say that they are as different as everybody's making them out to be because 
you know, it sounded like Devin Brown was this super athletic mobile running quarterback that also has a great arm. And don't get like, I'm not trying to dog the guy. He's a really good player. Right. I just don't think he's clearly the better guy in this, you know, in, in this quarterback battle right now. And I think Ohio state part of the reason why they didn't annihilate Youngstown state was because the offense didn't look as good under him yesterday. I thought he, he played like he was pressing because he probably was because he probably saw Kyle McCord lead the team on several touchdown drives. Um, you know, the, the Buckeyes had five scores, the three passing touchdowns all came from Kyle and the two running touchdowns came when, when Devin was on the field. Um, and it's not as though Devin never had a chance to throw the football. Maybe the play calling is a little bit different because the coaching staff thinks he's got a different skill set, So they want to use him more as a runner. I mean, I, I guess I would, I would buy that, you know, he was seven of 13 through the air. And I don't know the exact, uh well, I guess I, you could do the math, right? If he had 32 plays that he was on the field for and he threw 13 times. Right. Um, so that means they they ran it, what, 19? Yep. Uh, 19 runs when Devin was on the field. And they only had eight running plays when Kyle was on the field. So they were twice as mo- uh, more than twice as likely to run the ball when Devin was on the field. Um, but he still had 13 passing attempts. And mm-hmm. He missed Mecca Buka on a short shallow cross that I think would have been a touchdown. He missed Carnell Tate in the end zone, which would have been a touchdown. Now in one of those drives, uh, ultimately they scored anyways, but um, one of them, they didn't the, the Carnell Tate miss ended up being a turnover on downs. So and we'll get to that later. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just think we are starting to see enough of a body of work that I think Kyle's the guy I don't blame Ryan Day for not making a statement in the heat of the moment, the emotions of a post game. And I think maybe Ryan is probably going to see the same thing that, that we saw there. But I also don't know that I expect Ryan to just come out on Tuesday and say, that's our guy. I think they're going to just start making those adjustments where Kyle's going to get more and more meaningful snaps and Devin will play late in next week's game if it warrants it. Because I also would add to that, like there's still development that Devin Brown needs to do. Like, he's going to be a good player. Like we should, I, I agree with you. That shouldn't get lost in this conversation because I think with Kyle McCord is like he's been in the program, he knows the stuff, and he looks like the more mature guy. On last Saturday against Indiana, you you, you could argue that he didn't look the way he should have. To, yesterday, he took care of business, kind of did what he needed to do, um, and you could sense the maturity uh, in that. Like, hey. We're the, we're the, you know, they're an inferior opponent. We need to look good. And we did with Devin. There's still development that needs to happen. Like the dude is, he's a kind of a freaky dude. He's huge. He can throw it real well. He can move. Um, I would add to, to your kind of your stat breakdown there um, of the 19 rushes that um, Ohio state had six of them were Devin Brown carries. So you know, after that in as well, because when he's in, like he's a running threat and they use him to run the football, which is great. And I think he will be very good. I just think for right now, um, where this team's at and what they need. Um, you know, a lot of people make this comparison. Like, they just need Comicord to keep the Lamborghini straight. Like, this offense is a sports car. It is legit everywhere on the outside. Um, but you just need someone to keep that thing within the white lines and not banging off the walls. Um, and I think for this year, Comicord gives you the best opportunity to do that with the ability to – he can make some throws, man. He yeah, can. he's an athletic kid. I mean, he can move. It's not like he can't get out of the pocket. Correct. 
but he can do enough and, and he can make some throws down the field too, which is encouraging. So, you know, I, it's not a, it's not a knock on Devin Brown that he's not ready yet, but continue to develop him. But I think this is clearly a Kyle McCord team. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your sports car analogy as we change to the next topic here. If you think the offense is a sports car, if it's a Lamborghini, because you got Marvin Harrison and you got Emeka Buka and you've got Travion Henderson who ran hard yesterday despite some, you know, so, some smaller uh, opportunities. Um, you, you got a lot of a lot of flash. I want to know what's under the hood. What's the engine look like? Because right now the engine that that should make this offense click in my opinion, is the offensive line, the ability to move the line of scrimmage so that you can run the ball effectively. Um, and and right now I wonder if the engine is a true Lamborghini engine. Yeah. Because it I I think they're not terrible, right? This isn't embarrassing. It's not like your quarterback's getting drilled all the time. But we're two weeks into it now, and Indiana's defensive line, I genuinely think, is improved. Youngstown State is a team that you should push around. They're, they are literally here because you're paying them a couple million bucks to, to lose in a glorified scrimmage. And I don't know if it if it's a mentality thing in the second half where they just figured that ah, we're going to cruise, we're not going to get hurt, whatever. I, I, I don't want to call out individual guys for effort. I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. But – I, I don't know that I see enough like nastiness in 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 the trenches, kind of on both sides of the ball. But we'll talk about the offensive line here for a moment. You should not have a problem moving the line of scrimmage north and south against an FCS opponent. Period. Period. End of story. And honestly, you you were on it yesterday when we were texting during the game. You're like, hey, I don't know about you know some of the stuff up front. I was like, ah, I don't, I wasn't sure. I wasn't quite sure. And you go back and watch it and you're like, that was yesterday's performance, honestly, was a bit, not a bit discouraging. It was very discouraging and from my perspective. And like you said, never from an effort standpoint, would I criticize, I think that, you know, that's totally unfair to do. But I think from an execution standpoint, um, there's a lot to be desired from those guys. And where, the way you can um, quantify it, because it's so hard, like we live in such a stats world, especially as fans and, you know, us covering the team. That's like, OK, you know, quarterback played bad today. He was did it, this. He was X for Z throwing the ball for Y yards. Right. But up front, it's hard to do that. But what you can look at um, and what I looked at to, from the game yesterday was four point six yards of carry. OK, that's OK. But. Take the take the outlier away. Take take Travion Henderson's thirty yard run away, and you're at three point nine yards of carry from Ohio State playing Youngstown State. That's that, not good enough. That's it, that's bad. Like it's not it's not like okay, that's bad. Um, and where that shows up is every where that shows up is you know it's all connected, right? When you are only averaging three point nine yards of carry, that's a lot of stalemates at the line of scrimmage. That's a lot of second and longs. 
And then that becomes a lot of third and longs. And how does that relate? Well, then you're, you're now in third and third and the offense is at a disadvantage, right? When it's third and seven plus, you go five and 12 on third down, that forces you then to have to go for it on fourth down. Now you're two of three on fourth down. You're punting the ball when you shouldn't be punting the ball. And it's all connected because you can't, they can't establish the line of scrimmage because like Coach Day said earlier in the week, this offensive front lacks physicality. It truly, it truly does. And I, you know, I, I hate saying that because like, you know, these guys are putting in a ton of effort. They're working. It's not for lack of trying, but you, you can't move a front. They, Youngstown State should never touch a Ohio State running back in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage. That just should never, ever, ever happen. And it happened consistently throughout the day yesterday. It's it's uh, it's a problem that I think it would be disingenuous, to use that word again, to, to not acknowledge, okay, we're, we're talking about two weeks in a row here against a team that I think has a better defensive line but is still projected to be a bottom half of the Big Ten team. Uh, and an opponent that you should pound. Um, you got one more chance against Western Kentucky in this, you know, think about it, I guess, is like a three-game preseason. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly how to fix it unless you adjust the attitudes because I, I actually heard somebody say this yesterday, and I, I wonder if there's something to it. You know, the, the best players on Ohio State's team are quieter dudes. Mm-hmm. They're generally guys that are not super rah-rah, right? Kyle McCord leads by example. He's not a super vocal kid. Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't doesn't run his mouth much. Xavier Johnson isn't a big, like, in-your-face, firing-you-up, you know, rah-rah kind of guy. Tommy Eichenberg talks as much as the wall in front of me talks and they're all good players. They're, they're some of the best players on the team. Cade Stover. Uh, Cade's got a little bit of a mean streak to him, but it's like a country boy mean streak and it doesn't come across as, as super vocal. So I guess some of this is a question for you. It's like when you're in a locker room, cause you, you've played as a starting quarterback on a team that, that made it to the national final four. Like, is it fair to say that, you need a couple dudes that have bad intentions and and can like get a team to feel, hey, we got to go out and move some people. I think it's totally fair to say. And in my experience of it, I remember, you know, I've referenced it a couple of times. You know, I played the defense that was on that I played with uh, was a number three defense in the country. So awesome. And our their front line were just like total. Think of like a division three level just savages, just like get after the quarterback. We had the sack leader, the countrywide sack leader. We just had run stoppers everywhere. And they were just like straight up mean. And I just remember like just how just their intentions were, I'm going to hurt that quarterback or I'm going to hurt that running back. And when you practice against that every day, it's like it leaves your offensive line no other choice than to figure it out because they're beating you in every every team session. They're beating you in every two-minute drill. They're beating you in team run. They're beating you in team pass. Like Those things are happening because they have the want to. And it's not that there's no want to on this team, but um, you know, I think that you make a great point in that some of the leaders are a little bit quieter. Um, and you know, you know, the, you know, up front, at least, you know, you guys aren't going to be, you know, potentially barking back or, Hey, in practice, like you get beat by somebody in practice, like let them know, like, yeah, I beat you. And that's a big deal. And it's really hard. It's so, so hard to coach, 
um, physicality because it's just something in you. Like it's something in you that just flicks, the switch flips, and you're, you know, trying to dominate the guy in front of you. It's really hard to teach. Um, and it's like something you have or not, which kind of concerns me because it's like, all right, if there was ever a game where, you know, Ohio State could have really imposed their will and like stop all conversation about this, it was yesterday um, because they really could have just dominated the entire game up front and they just didn't. And it's hard to put an answer to that question. And and I almost wonder if it's on both sides. So let's kind of flip to the defensive line because I, I don't want to keep pounding this on the offensive line. I, I could... I could dog Josh Simmons more because he he seems like he can't stop uh, struggling. I I I don't know. I, I don't want to overdo the offensive line talk. So let's switch to the defensive line for a second here, because I think maybe it's a little unfair to say they created no pressure. If you watch the game through an objective lens, where you say, "Hey." Youngstown State was like, snap the ball one second out of his hand. Like they were running five-yard outs a lot. And to Mitch Davidson's credit, especially on that opening drive that was, you know, aided by one big chunk play, but, um, you know, outside of that, still it was it was a bunch of like, you know, quicker throws, especially if they were throwing Igbenison's way to the field side it's probably hard to create a ton of pressure when the quarterback is just balls out of their hands so quick. Well, nevertheless, yeah. just to pull up the stats to back this up, um, Ohio state had three tackles for loss against a team that was on the field for 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they registered, uh, was it one, two, I guess it was technically two sacks, they brought uh, they brought Tommy on a blitz once that worked, um, but it, it felt like early in the game the only way they were getting pressure on Youngstown State was if they brought a blitz and it opened up the secondary to being in some one on ones that were frustrating and that actually led to Cam Martinez getting beat. So then they made a decision. All right, we're not going to bring as much pressure. Trust our defensive line to get home, and it, that eliminated the problem of getting beat over the top. But they were never actually creating much havoc right and i think to your first initial point about the quickness of the ball being released like the the sack the sack situation is nothing is honestly after watching it nothing that concerns me and i think this is a this is a great question like sawyer not bringing it at all like concerned about the defensive ends and if we're talking about getting to the quarterback i think yesterday is a really tough barometer on it because just go back and watch even on youtube like the highlights like a five second or a five minute video of just the cut-ups you would see that um you know when when youngstown state had the football it was snap throw and not only is that hard to get to Brennan, it's that's how you coach. That's how they go into the week. Like that's their game plan. Like, Hey, we're ditching the num- numbers two, three, four, and five in the progression. And it is, Hey, one, what you're looking one way and you're making a throw. Um, and, and you, that's a consistent theme throughout the day yesterday. And you, you think about that big chunk play up the sidelines, not only, I thought it was, I thought it was good coverage. I thought it was a perfect football. And yeah. Like sometimes, you know, they say it all the time, like a perfect ball beats great coverage 10 times out of 10. And it was, um, and that's going to happen. That's not a concern of mine, but um, you know, I think game plan wise, they're like, Hey, Ohio state's defensive front is good. We're not going to let them make a factor because they can change the game now. Um, So we're maybe just looking at one or two guys and you make a decision. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's all quick throws, like, like short throws, like five yards or six yard throws. 
a lot of it could be deep stuff, but you're looking at one guy, you're taking a three-step drop, your third foot hits the ground, and that ball's flying. Um, so I'm less concerned about uh, about that. Um, you know, kind of what concerns me when we talk about the defensive and the physicality of the defense is, um, you know, we watched a couple games around the country yesterday, and you, I specifically think of the game last night, like Texas and Alabama. Like I'm sitting on my couch, and I could feel those two teams. Like those dudes yeah. were hitting up front, were hitting their their second level, were bringing the punch. Even their third level guys, their corners and safeties, were stuffing their nose in there on the run game. And that was both with Texas and with Alabama. Um, and you just didn't really see that yesterday. Like I thought it was pretty sound. Uh, from our defense, but it wasn't physical. Like it wasn't, you know, the linebackers coming up and pushing a running back backwards or hitting him in the hole and, and just totally stonewalling them. It was hey, maybe two or three yards and kind of a scrum. The guy goes down. Um, so I think physicality on both sides of the ball is going to be the buzzword this week because it has to, has to, has to improve. And and look, like again, I don't want to sound a major alarm bell here. The defense gave up ten points combined in the first two games of the year. Um, It's not like they've been gashed repeatedly. It's not like the defensive line has been atrocious and and been pushed around like crazy. Um, I think Caden Curry's looked pretty good. I'd like to see him more. Kenyatta Jackson, in in his limited snaps, I like what I've seen from him. I I just have really high expectations from JT Tuimoloau and from Jack Sawyer because those guys came in as – not just five-star guys, but like the best five stars in their class kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack was the first commit under Ryan Day, and JT Tuimoloau, ex- you know, extended his uh, search during his his commitment uh, or, or his recruiting time, extended it a long time because there was some COVID stuff going on, and he wanted to make sure he felt like it was the perfect fit. Uh, and Ohio State was – willing to wait with him because they thought they were going to get him and they did. And I mean, what he did at Penn state last year was one of the single best individual defensive performances I've ever seen. You, you know, it's there. I just, I I wonder if these first couple games are putting some things on tape for all of Ohio state's future opponents of, Hey, here's the game plan. Keep the ball. If, if you want to beat Ohio state, don't let their offense get on the field for very long. Marvin Harrison can't score if he's not out there. And and the new clock rules encourage Ohio State's opponents to bleed the clock. And in two straight games, that's exactly what's happened. Ohio State's had 19 possessions in two games. That's alarming. That is that is not very many. And I don't think it's so much a how many plays have they run thing, the way Ryan Day has been kind of stuck on that. Um but they are getting fewer possessions. I, and I, I looked this up on the play-by-play to make sure I was right here. In the third quarter, Youngstown State got the ball first, and their first drive of the third quarter was seven and a half minutes long. And Ohio State got the ball back and went three and out and punted, and Youngstown State didn't give it back to the Buckeyes until there was three minutes and 23 seconds left to go in the third quarter. I mean, it's a 15-minute clock, and it felt like that quarter took – 22 minutes, like actual time, it flew by. And and that's that's tough for your offense when you're trying to get guys on the field and get reps and, and by the way, score points and look the part against an inferior opponent. 
Yeah, it's it's really hard, and and I think this conversation is um, there's I think certain levels to it. Like I do agree that you know the a really good game plan for especially an inferior opponent like this, but you know think about later on in the year when you're playing some Big Ten opponents that you should beat, um, they will certainly employ something like this where it's like, hey, if you can milk the clock, that's great. Um, you know, it's really hard to do against Ohio State still. Uh, but, you know, that's really great. But you put a seven-and-a-half-minute drive to get – well, put it that way. If Ohio State's on the field for four minutes out of a 15-minute quarter, that's a, certainly a win. Um, however, on the flip side of the coin, I think part of the issue is Ohio State's um, lack of big plays. And now everyone's going to be like, oh, my gosh, Marvin had a 70-yarder and a 40-yarder yesterday. Um, I think outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., um, there's not much of a big play threat uh, on that Ohio State offense, and you know, you, I think Emeka and Trey are maybe not to to Mars caliber, but yeah. Emeka in space and Trey in space can be pretty dynamic. And Emeka had that um, fourth and three, or, or it was fourth and two, maybe in a thirty-yard touchdown. Um, I think is really good, but I think Trey is has the ability to, but you know, Trey, what Trey Beyond needs is the offensive line to give him a little bit of a hole um, to do so. So the things that concern me from the t- from the uh, lack of possession yesterday were um, were two drives um, and they were both when Ohio State had the ball the biggest one well there was an 11 play 90 yard drive um, which is a great touchdown drive that's pretty good um, there was a at the end of the game there was a 13 play 81 yard drive that netted zero points um, that is unacceptable that ends in turnover on downs that was one where it was scored a touchdown we had to come back on a holding and then some stuff happened where we didn't get it on fourth down the biggest the biggest one where I'm like, this is a problem is a 13 play 60 yard drive. So think of that as getting the ball on the minus 40 yard line. So you just right outside of midfield and you only have 60 yards to go. What team in the last, what Ohio state team in the last five or six years takes 13 plays to get a touchdown on that drive? Not many, right? Not many at all. And that can be a combination of things, right? You know, you're not moving the ball up front. You're, you're not being able to run the football, um, but make it really challenging. But like, Hey, you know, that factors into it when you have when you take 13 plays and four and a half minutes to go 60 yards, um, that kind of factors into it. And by the way, that was Devin Brown's first drive and uh, the drive was extended by Youngstown State penalties. So it it should have stalled. Youngstown State kind of kept them in it. All the more reason why circling back to what we talked about earlier, I just felt like anybody who was watching this game, like there, there was not nearly as much clunkiness when Kyle was out there than there was when Devin led the way. It just, it didn't look nearly as smooth. Yeah, it just did. And all of it's connected. And yes, I think that the, the, the new clock rules do, do factor into it. It's almost like you're watching an NFL game, right? Like where the clock never stops and it's moving, it's moving, it goes very quickly. Um, however, you look across the country and their team's scoring a bunch of points. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I'm like, I just, I, I'm with you and I'm with Ryan. I get it, but other teams aren't having trouble throwing up big numbers. Mm-hmm. So figure it out. Yeah, Penn State yesterday, 63 points against Delaware. Even the game last night was, even the last night game, Texas Alabama was like clunky, 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 and then boom, big play, big play, big play, and they ended up scoring a bunch of points. So it, there's certainly a balance to it, and um, you know, you just got to find that. They got to continue to grow, and I think, I honestly do. Once they start going with one guy at quarterback, that changes a lot of stuff because it, you know, gets guys to their guys are no longer like confused and like, hey, who's going to be in the huddle or behind center this drive um, and, and start to work that way. So I think it will get better, but it needs to. Um, and it just, they just, you know, Ryan Day's got to adjust. They got to adjust play calling. They have to 
you know, start, you know, scoring quickly um, because that's just the case. I, I want to give Travion Henderson an appropriate amount of, uh, of love here because I, I mean, I know he only touched it five times and I realized that one of them was a, a 30 yard touchdown run. So the, the idea that he had five carries for 56 yards and two scores, you know, 11 yards a pop is, is a good average for sure. 30 of it came on one run. He also caught a couple of screen passes. I think it was two catches for 18 yards. Um, I thought Travion ran yesterday like he heard and and read what was said all week about Chip Trainum is, is running back one. I thought Travion ran really hard. And actually, I was disappointed for him that um, that he didn't get more touches because I I I think you can see that he is healthy and he's got the experience. He was as healthy as he was as a freshman, but now he's he's two years you know uh, more into the rhythm and the flow of an offense and, and how he can go attack. Uh, and I think he's a little more explosive than he was two years ago because he's stronger. Um, I, I don't know that I have a runaway favorite in my head for who is running back one on this team. Chip Trainum didn't look nearly like we saw him in week one yesterday. Um, I thought he looked fine. I think he's extremely versatile. I, I think Chip could be, you know, the, like the X factor on this offense because you can do so many things with him. But I I was really encouraged by the way Travion Henderson Henderson ran yesterday, even though he didn't get a lot of touches. Yeah, he looked really good and, and kind of delivered the punch that we were looking for. But what a what a great problem to have, honestly, in that backfield where there's three guys that you could get, hand the ball to and all of them can make an impact in a different way. Um, you know, Chip can run uh, a little bit more downhill, but a little bit more physical. And Travion kind of has that good mix of, great quickness and great speed along with the punch to deliver. Um, and then you got Mayan Williams who can be elusive out of the backfield and has really great hands to catch it. Um, and I think from their perspective too, in that room, it, there's the, the pressure of uh, being great every single Saturday comes down because like you said, maybe, uh, maybe Chip didn't look as great yesterday or just didn't get the opportunities, but Travion picked up for that because he is so great and all three of them are. So it gives them the opportunity to be like, hey, if I don't have my fastball today that I know one of my guys is going to. Um, and that's such a great, not even a problem, that's such a great thing to have in your backfield because you never know what happens on a Saturday or you never know if it's midway through the second quarter and, and Travion rolls his ankle and can't go and now you go chip in mind and you feel comfortable doing that. Um, and, and I think it's such a good thing to have um, out of the backfield. I, I don't know that it's going to be one of those games that you want to like overanalyze the statistics from because the objective going into the game wasn't statistically motivated. Um, for example, like I, I don't want to read too much into Travion having five carries, Mayan having six, Chip having six, and, and Devin Brown scrambling six times. Um, I was glad Xavier Johnson, they got the ball in his hands. They, they made it clear last week that Marv and, and X did not get the ball enough. And on the first drive of the game and on the second drive of the game, Marvin Harrison and Xavier Johnson got touches, and I thought that was good. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult for Ryan Day to, um, to have guys put up gaudy numbers if he is as hell-bent on – evening out playing time as he 
says he is, right? I mean, in every press conference, he talks about these guys deserve to play. They're good. So we're going to get touches for Chip. We're going to get them for Trey. We're going to get them for Mayan. We're going to get them for Marv, you know, right on down the line. Everybody that deserves to play is going to play, and whatever the numbers are, they are. Um, and the reality is part of the culture is Ohio State is like they don't – they're not supposed to care what they individually do. It's did we win, and are we going to go win a national championship? So I'm sure, you know, maybe there's a little bit of like why did – you know, what why was Ohio State's leading rusher yesterday at, at 56 yards? But I, I just don't think it's fair to overanalyze that part of it. They they played some depth. They wanted to run the ball, and they struggled to run it in the second half. Um, but they also – their time of possession in the second half was substantially lower. So it's it's just going to be hard for those numbers to, like, look good, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a really hard thing to do. And it, honestly, it's, there's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made. You get into some big games, and, you know, you frankly – can't afford like you can't afford to have your best guys not on the field and I get it you know it's such a hard thing that's the hard part about coaching and that comes into the thing we talked about yesterday it's the art of coaching like balancing that stuff out is part of the deal and uh, you know you can't sacrifice uh, having your best players on the field because hey you other guys deserve playing time like yeah but the team deserves to win is kind of the bottom line so it hasn't bit them yet and I don't think it you know, it potentially may never bite him, but at some point you got to really start trimming it down because, you know, it wasn't, it, you just got to kind of get a more of a, more of a plan in place to like, Hey, you know, we need, we need some guys to go a little bit more often. It's kind of fun to see different comments come in on, Hey, I, you know, uh, on, on this particular show, we've seen more Kyle support. Um, but again, like I saw a comment on a different one of our videos saying Devin's the guy, and I saw more from Devin than I saw from Kyle. I like the way he moves and the way the offense was moving up the field. I just don't – I don't get that. I don't agree with it. Whatever. But, you know, everybody can have their own opinion. Uh, but I've, I have thought Kyle was the guy for a while. Frankly, there was a there was a time a couple years ago that I wanted to see Kyle instead of CJ. And, I mean, look, CJ turned out to be an incredible quarterback and one of the best, if not the best, in Ohio State history. Um, I, I think Kyle's going to be fine. Just let him let him get into a rhythm, tell him it's his job, and give him the keys and just let him develop. He's got a rocket arm. He He's never going to be a distraction because he doesn't say things that are, are controversial to teammates, but his teammates love him. They get along with him. Um, he's got incredible chemistry with the best player on the planet right now that plays college football. So let's transition to – to Marvin Harrison, because I, I, I'm sure that part of the offensive game plan for Ohio State every week is, okay, if I'm playing against us, we got to take 18 away. So how can we be creative against what we expect a defensive scheme to look like to make sure they can't just totally take him out of the picture? And yesterday was a great you know, example of how he can so quickly change things yeah and he's also a guy too where it's like yeah you mentioned that you say that like they, they go into it and they're like all right 18's not beating us this week and then he's got such skill and ability that he still does beat you that week and it doesn't matter if you double him or you know triple him or make it really hard to give him the football um you know he's got the ability uh, to just totally go off seven catches 160 two touchdowns long of 71 um and just like there's not enough you can say about the guy because he's so, so talented, skilled, 
He's so, so good. Um, and just really fun to watch. Just like he is just really smooth, supposed to catch everything, had a drop, which I think could be pretty good. He won't drop a football again the rest of the year because of because of that one he had yesterday. Uh, but so, so good. And, um, you know, we talked about it. Like, does he have the ability to go win a Heisman? Potentially. Like, why not? If he starts putting up games like, like that, um, you know, that's what we were looking to expect from him, you know. Why, why can't he go out uh, and, and bring some hardware home? I think he's just like – he's so much fun to watch. And totally – he's in the conversation for, you know, one of the best players, if not the best, uh, the, regardless of position throughout the country. And so that's where I wonder, like, the, the Heisman voting is always interesting to me. You know, we obviously had a non-quarterback win a couple of years ago in Devontae Smith. And I just wonder if, like, if Marv could be capable – of being so much better than everybody else that a defense is going to bracket him and try to take him out of the play, especially when you're playing against a good defense. And Ohio State will see a few good defenses this year. You know, if he doesn't have a bunch of games where he puts up numbers like he did yesterday, could could he be that much better in a Heisman voter's eyes that they like look past the statistics and say, yeah, I know he only had whatever the numbers are, but like that's the guy. I I yeah. wonder cuz honestly, the way he plays like he is unquestionably going to be a top 3 pick in the draft and I think it's not out of the realm of possibility he could be the number 1 pick taken depending on who's who's actually at the top of the board. Yeah, absolutely. From a hardware perspective, like I think it's tough. I think the Heisman is Really, really hard. Like, obviously, Devontae Smith a couple years ago, but it's become such a quarterback award where it make it really challenging. But there's no reason he couldn't. Um, you know, you never know what this year is going to hold for him. Um, but he's just so – he's so, so good. And why can't he be the number one overall pick? Like, he's definitely in the conversation. And you see guys in the NFL now, like, you know, would Justin Jefferson go, you know, top – would he go number one overall in his draft? Um, you know, Jamar Chase went number five overall. Um, and they make different game, or they make difference. They make the difference in a game in a lot of the games that they played in. Um, so you know, taking him one or two wouldn't be out of the question. And with the way that the draft's going to fall this year, with the Cardinals potentially having one and two, there I would not not be surprised um, that if he does go, you know, one, two, or even three. So Devin Devin Perry jumps in here and says, "As good as Marv is." I don't see the Heisman for him. As crazy as it sounds, Shadur has a good a good shot at it. Obviously, he's talking if you're not familiar with the uh, the quarterback at um, at Colorado, Dion's kid. Uh, yeah, he's looked pretty darn good. Was he got like 900 passing yards in two games? That's that's not too shabby. Although, did Colorado's fans really rush the field yesterday? You're two and zero, man. Chill out. I know you matched last last year's win total in the first two games of the year. And there's so much hype around the program and college game days going there. And I think Fox big noon kickoffs going to be there for the third week in a row. Like, I guess that's the Dion effect. It is. Um, I, I, I want to see them play against some good teams before I buy in because Nebraska's reputation, you know, it is, is, uh, it, is what it is. We'll just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Quick, quick note on the on the bus. They got three game stretch here: Colorado State, which is still an end game, but then they go Oregon, USC. Um, so you're going to get your you're going to get your. Um, they're certainly going to be in the spotlight for the next three weeks, but if they can go and look good in those games and even win a couple of them, um, you know, I think that, that that bodes well for them. But I think to the Heisman the Heisman um, conversation, there's so many really really good players, and there's a 
good handful of really good quarterbacks. I mean, Caleb Williams, you know, he plays late at night, but he's ripping it all over the field. He looks awesome. Uh, obviously, Shador looks great. Uh, and there's just some good ones. Drew Aller at Penn State looks really, really good. Even J.J. McCarthy at um, Michigan had, had a couple of good games. So uh, it'll be really tough for him to, to get that Heisman Trophy, but there's nothing that you can't convince me he's not a top three, five player, even a top three player um, in the country. You know, I um, I I don't know that I felt this way after week one, but um, I'm pretty sure I am starting to validate these thoughts and feelings now after seeing this team for two weeks. There's time to grow. They need to grow. And I think they can. But I'm a little nervous about Penn State, and, and I am nervous again about Michigan. Penn State looks really good. I, Penn State might be better than Michigan is. Yeah, um, Drew they, can, they can they can run. Yeah, uh, for sure they've got two really good running backs. But Drew is a very good quarterback. I think this is James Franklin's best team. Um, I'm glad that this is not a whiteout year at night in yeah. Happy Valley. That so, would not be a fun environment. Yeah, Drew Aller changes the complexion of that team. Like you think of that team with Sean Clifford last year, and they just kind of lacked a little bit. Like you never were totally scared of them. Uh, because, you know, I thought Sean Clifford had a certain number of handicaps where, uh, you know, he wouldn't – he's never going to be the reason you win a game, um, but he'll play well enough to get you a win. Drew Aller is – he's got that superstar feel to him where it's like, hey, everything could be going wrong, but I'm going to put the team on my back and win you a football game. He's so smart. He's unbelievably athletic, um, and he throws such a, such a good football. Um, and, uh, they're really good, I think. Um, and then, you know, Michigan looks really good. I, Penn state is, I think Penn state is going to be. They're the real deal. I mean, look, Ohio state is capable of winning both those games. I'm, I'm yeah. not saying we're doomed. Um, but with what I've seen from Ohio state so far, I mean, here's a perfect example. What was the final score of the Buckeyes game yesterday? 35, seven. What was the final score of the Michigan UNLV game yesterday? 35, seven. Those two games didn't look anything alike. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything alike. Michigan embarrassed UNLV. They killed them. I, I don't feel that same way about Ohio State and Youngstown State. Um, Penn State looked really good, and they did what you would expect should be done to an FCS team. And and the reality is, you know, that, that late in the game possession where Chip Trainum was called for a hold on a Mayan Williams touchdown run. The TD was negated, and then that was the turnover on downs possession in the uh, in the second half. There, mm-hmm. you know that that like took a touchdown off the board. So, if there's no holding call there, and if it's forty two seven, do we feel that much better? I mean, maybe. Yeah. You know, then you score a touchdown on six out of nine possessions instead of five. Maybe you feel a little better, but there's still a lot of the same problems that 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 exists it, it's not just the scoreboard so you know the the Buckeyes looked fine yesterday and I think they looked fine in week one fine's not the standard in Columbus and it's not going to be good enough against the best teams on your schedule fine does not get you in the college football playoff fine hasn't won the Big Ten the last two years you got to be a lot better than that so I hope they can figure out a way to 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 get this thing uh, up front going. I think Justin Fry and Larry Johnson have a tall order in front of them. Figure it out. Figure out a way to make these guys play a little more pissed off on both sides because they have got to find a way to not play 
country club football where they're just going to chuck it all over the field with, you know, high end talent at a lot of skill position plays. Um, you got to get a lot meaner on the inside on both sides. And I, I, I hope they have it in them. Yeah. You, you just hope they do because that will at some point be the reason you lose a football game. You lack physicality, you get punched in the mouth and, Frankly, we've seen it twice the past two years um, with the, the team up north. So you got to get that figured out sooner rather than later. The only other thing I would say is, you know, it, it might make the journey a little more fulfilling if you want to think about it that way. You know, I, I do believe Ohio State is good enough to make a run at a national championship. So it's not like this program suddenly is, is you know, in shambles. They just have some problems developmentally that they need to fix. And you've got time to fix them. I, I'm I'm a little bit less concerned with Notre Dame than I was uh, at the beginning of the season. I think Notre Dame looks okay and certainly good enough to beat Ohio State. But I'm not I'm not scared of Notre Dame the way I kind of anticipated I might be. Uh, I think they're going to have a good game plan, and I think Ohio State better play really well. You're not going to cakewalk through them. But I I don't know that I am all in on the Irish. Sam Hartman looks good, and he's certainly, in my opinion, the best quarterback they've had in a little while here. Um, and they've got a veteran team, and they got a good coaching staff. So, you know, maybe the Irish win that game. But I, I, I think Ohio State's probably still the better team there. Yeah, I align with you. I think where the Irish kind of fall a little bit short is um, they lack a little bit of um, of the athleticism that you need to match up with Ohio State. I think the the wide receiver position is still a step below or a grade below, um, you know, the Ohio State. When you think of the best receivers in the country, I don't think Notre Dame, you know, even is in that conversation. So I think that that is certainly challenging. They have, they're going to have a good run game, but Ohio State has a good run defense. Uh, so we'll see. We'll, 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 uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a really close and, and hard-fought game. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath. You know, two teams going to come in there swinging. Um, yeah, and I, and I didn't see a ton of I didn't see a ton of that game against NC State yesterday because it was simultaneous. Um, but I know that it was a little bit of a weird game with a super long weather delay. I'm sure there's a weird rhythm and flow, and and maybe changes some play calling there. So I'll go back and watch that. But um, you know, NC State was in that game. They were. Yeah, they were. It was it was a weird day, weird game. But you know, you 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 play a team with a good quarterback. You know, you gotta be on your your p's and q's. And Notre Dame does have a really good running game. So, uh, you know, but I think that Ohio State will match up pretty well with the Irish. Uh, but it still, you, you don't you don't show up and you you Notre Dame. One thing about Notre Dame is they are physical attack. Like they they will come. Their linebackers play hard. Their defensive line plays hard. Their offensive line run like me. Um, and so you know that's something that we'll go back to. Like. You know, what, what's it going to be? What's the response going to be when Ohio State gets punched for the first time this year? Like, how are they going to respond to it? We'll see. Yeah, and I didn't see any of the Wisconsin game, but I I, I think Wisconsin didn't play very well yesterday. They turned the ball over a bunch. I had that game play at night. Uh, they turned the ball over a bunch, but they stuck in it, and they had a really good comeback. They just – it was a little bit of uh, too little, too late type of situation where um, – they made the comeback, and then they just, like, couldn't finish it. You know, they were right there. They couldn't finish it. It was a really bad loss for the Badgers. It, it truly was. Um, but, you know, that's still going to be a game where, hey, you better come ready to play because they're going to be ready to go at you. No doubt. No. All right, so that'll kind of wrap up uh, what we're expecting to talk about here on, on this show. Um, but we've got a ton planned for you throughout the course of the week, uh, and that starts with what I think is going to become one of our favorite segments tomorrow, 
Uh, we're going inside the film room. Anthony's going to break down a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, anything you want to preview? What, yeah, what can I, we expect tomorrow? Yeah, we're going to hit some. Uh, we're going to get to the defensive side tomorrow a little bit. I think there was some good stuff from our defense. Um, we're going to take a look at some of the big plays on offense. Um, and really, I'm going to show some of the uh, some of the stuff that I loved out of Kyle in week two. Um, you know, some of the corrections that we talked about making from last week. Um, and then, then we'll show we'll, we'll look through. I, I'm still excited to watch. Um, some of the some of the battles up front, see where things went wrong, um, where they could be better schematically. Um, and I think one thing we didn't touch on, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit tomorrow, I'll do a I'll do a, a snap you know count of this. But um, the offense, like the actual plays, looked like Ohio. State. You look like Ohio State again. There wasn't we weren't stuck under center all afternoon. You know everything was in the shotgun. The run game came from the shotgun. The pass game came from the shotgun. Um, and I think that played into the level of comfort that you saw from Kyle. So we, we, we'll, we'll get into a lot of that tomorrow, but I'm excited about it. I think this was some good tape to break down. Um, and I will mention, I'll mention it again tomorrow, appreciate everybody who watched um, and gave some constructive feedback on how to get better. Um, I think that it'll look a little bit different tomorrow. I'll get, be able to kind of show you exactly what we're looking at uh, thanks to your guys' feedback. So always uh, love the fans, love you guys watching in and, and letting us know how we can be better. Um, giving you a product that you enjoy. So, yeah, excited about the, the film breakdown tomorrow. That uh, should be fun. And and for all the folks that are listening to this podcast uh, after the fact, please know that we stream all of our shows live, and we'd love to have you live. We had a ton of really good commentary from uh, from fans this afternoon, so that would be awesome if you join us live. Just subscribe to the channel and, and hit the notification bell. We're live literally every day, 7 a.m. every weekday morning, uh, and we do live hits pregame and postgame on Saturdays. And then certainly do a show just like this every Sunday. So uh, we can talk Ohio State football to a blue in the face, and we want you to be a part of it uh, and look forward to having you throughout the uh, throughout the week. But if you're listening after the fact, just know that you can join us live. If you missed the show, it's obviously available on demand, so that's just fine too. Um, the one thing I will say about tomorrow's show, we don't post the audio-only version of our film breakdown because I'm not sure that would really do you much good if you're listening to that show and not able to actually see what we're doing. So. Um, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll have all of the rest of the shows available audio only if that's your preferred way. Uh, if you don't want to look at us, which by the way, the uh, comment of the day I didn't put on screen. Anthony knows it's coming; he can see it. I know you saw it, but I didn't actually put it up. Let me find it. It came from Devin Perry, who said, "This is his, here it is. This is my first time on this channel, and this Anthony guy looks like he might be Ryan Day's son or younger brother." <laughs> Oh, I love it. So <laughs> funny. So funny. You're a handsome guy. What do you what do you hey, want from him? Hey, definitely. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, uh, super funny. You're welcome. So, welcome to the show. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Devin. Appreciate you coming in. All right. Uh, Buckeyesnow.com for all the latest news and info on the team. Check it out there. We're part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group and uh, look forward to continuing our coverage here throughout the course of the season. Ohio State's 2-0, and there's reason to be happy about it being 2-0, but uh, it's a 2-0 team with a lot of work to do, and they've got a team coming to town that really wants to throw the football uh, and, and remarkably well protects the quarterback, uh, considering how often they throw it. Western Kentucky coming to Columbus next week. But before we start our Western Kentucky previews, we'll break down some film tomorrow and look forward to seeing you then. For Anthony Meglin, I'm Brendan Gulick. Happy Sunday. Enjoy the first week of the NFL. And uh, keep in mind that the Buckeyes are 2-0. The sky's not falling. It's okay and this team will still continue to develop. See you tomorrow.